0: Good morning. The sermon reading will be from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves in humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud it gives grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you
1: well good morning friends and welcome to all of those of you watching this live stream at home as well Uh, You may have already seen it, but here's an Aussie shepherd working from home during COVID. (laughs) Hope you like that one. I like that one. Um, There is also an activity sheet uh, for children, uh, which I've posted on our Facebook page. So if you are watching the live stream, you can find it there. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've seen the importance of persevering in faith, even through times of hardship and persecution, Um, And in that kind of situation, uh, godly leadership and Christ-like humility are so important. That's what this passage is all about this morning. So let's ask God to help us as we look at it together. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we open your word, please open our hearts to your truth. Amen. Well, verse 7 is great. I love it, but I've actually included it in next week's message. Uh, So we're just working through verses 1 to 6 this morning. Uh, This passage talks about elders and overseers. Now, they're the leaders in a church. Uh, When the Apostle Paul was travelling around planting churches, uh, he always appointed elders to lead once he'd moved on. For example, in in Acts chapter 14, uh, Paul and Barnabas start to backtrack where they've planted churches. And verse 23 says this, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting. It's a very serious thing to do. Prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Uh, Paul instructed Timothy, who was a very young leader, uh, and Titus to follow this same uh, principle of appointing leaders. And God has a uniquely gifted and called some of his people to take that role of leadership in the church. And here, Peter addresses those leaders directly. Now, if you're not a church leader, don't switch off, uh, because we all have an impact on each other. And perhaps God has given you specific people in your sphere of influence to care for. Perhaps you have children, perhaps students, or a connect group, or, or some sort of ministry involvement. So this is really helpful for all of us. We all impact each other. As he speaks to leaders, I think there's two main points. Uh, And then there's one that he says is for all of us. Anyway, uh, let's have a look at it. The first point is this. Build your life and ministry on God's grace. And we see this in Peter himself. He says in the first verse, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, Who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the 12 apostles. And he says here that he was a witness of Christ's sufferings. But think about it how was his relationship with Christ when Jesus was literally hanging, dying on the cross? Not good. Not good at all. Just moments earlier to save his own skin, Peter had just denied even knowing Jesus three times. You probably know how the story goes. Then a rooster crowed and and Jesus is covered in blood and and other people spit, kind of looked across and there was this eye, eye to eye moment between the two of them. And then Peter ran out and wept bitterly. In fact, none of the Gospels even record Peter being present as Jesus was crucified. There's just this one anecdote here in verse 1. Peter didn't deserve Jesus' forgiveness, not one bit, let alone the privilege of being a leader amongst God's people. But after the resurrection, Jesus met with Peter and personally forgave him and personally restored him as a leader and told him, feed my sheep. And it's lovely to see him using that shepherd illustration here in these verses. And from that moment on, Peter was transformed by grace. You can see it in the way he leads. Look at his opening words. I appeal as a fellow elder. He could have simply said, as an apostle of Christ, I command you. (laughs) But he doesn't. God's grace produces humility and gentleness. In fact, he was so acutely aware of the undeserved love and kindness that he had received from Jesus, that he lived it, he preached it, and eventually he died for it. And it was all worth it. Because God's grace also gives us, see there in verse 1, a glorious future. Look at the absolute confidence Peter has in what awaits him and all who are faithful to Christ. He knows he will share in the glory to be revealed. He could echo Paul's words in Romans 8 verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory That will be revealed in us. What a wonderful phrase. You see, in this world, glory fades. That's why the older we get, the less we enjoy mirrors. Right? (laughs) Wrinkles appear, skin dries and ages, and uh, muscles wither. Even beards get a little bit salty. So they tell me. Um, One bloke said, uh, when I look in the mirror, I think, who's that old man staring back at me? Uh, Or consider sport. Athletes are heroes when they're performing well, but the glory fades as soon as their performance slumps or another rises to take their place or injury just sidelines them from the game. The same is true in business. Could look at all different spheres of life. Glory in this world fades. Public recognition comes with success, but it's so fickle. It's so fleeting. But the glory for the Christian, however, it's unfading. Look at verse 4. You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Not only that, but it lasts forever in heaven. Jump down to verse 10. I've got it on the screen the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory. And how do we get that? In Christ. Christian glory is secured for us, not by our performance or our achievements, but by the perfect, finished work of Christ. Friends, that is priceless. Glory that is unfading, eternal and secure is ours in Christ. Praise be to God. So the Christian leader is grace-based. And secondly, they are to be shepherds of God's flock. And, you know, I think Peter does well using a a kind of sheep illustration. He was a professional fisherman, spent all of his time on the water, but he's speaking to people that spend all their time on land. And so he shoots for the shepherd illustration. I think he does well. Uh, and, And this metaphor hits home. Because it taps into a deep and rich cultural memory among God's people. I mean, think about it. Who was the first shepherd in the Bible? Clue? First family in the Bible? Well, possibly, Adam. We're not sure. But it's certainly Abel, wasn't it? It was certainly Abel, the one who was murdered by his brother. Move on down to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel. They had huge flocks of sheep and other animals. And and Jacob says a really interesting thing when he's blessing his sons. He gets uh, down to Joseph and Joseph's sons and he says this, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, may he bless these boys. This is the first time in the Bible the protecting, nurturing, guiding role of a shepherd was used to describe God in his loving care of his people. And that continues and grows and is developed in Israel's self-awareness and most famously expressed, of course, in Psalm 23 that we heard read a moment ago. The Lord is my shepherd. But this shepherd image was also used of human leaders. Before leading God's people out of Egypt, Moses was a shepherd. And when he's about to die, he asks God to raise up a new leader with these words. One who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Of course, God answered Moses' prayer and raised up Joshua. And then a while later, God raised up a young shepherd boy called David to be their king. Uh, he's the one that wrote Psalm 23. But as time went by, you know, more and more kings, uh, some of them were horribly evil. They were appalling shepherds. And so what we see is the prophets now speaking against these shepherd kings. Words like these from Jeremiah. The shepherds are senseless and do not inquire of the Lord so they do not prosper and all their flock is scattered. So the wisdom to lead does not come from here. It comes from God. Leaders must walk closely with God. That's why Peter points to Jesus as our chief shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel Delivered a scathing condemnation of Israel's wicked shepherd kings. Listen to these words. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. This is a long extended metaphor of how the kings were treating the people. It's terrible. But that chapter ends with a a little line of hope. I will place over them one shepherd in the line of David, and he will tend them, he will tend them and be their shepherd. And many years later, one descendant of David said these words I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Jesus deliberately picked up the words of Moses of Psalm 23 and of the prophets to let us know that He is the promised one, He is the good shepherd. Or as Peter says here, the chief shepherd. And so with all of this rich background of good and bad shepherds and God as our divine shepherd, Christ, the chief shepherd that we are to look to, Peter uses this shepherd image to speak to the leaders of the church. And if you're a leader in the church in any way at all or aspiring to be a leader one day, I think Peter wants us to feel the immense responsibility and at the same time the privilege of this role. It's not something to be taken lightly. In fact, James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. By teachers, he means church leaders. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So the shepherd watches over the sheep, feeding them with God's word, protecting them from false teaching, guiding them in obedience to God's truth. Nurturing them to love and serve Christ. Prayerfully caring for them through all the trials and troubles of life. One of the sad facts about everything in life is that it can be so easily ruined by sin. And that includes Christian leadership. In fact, one of the easiest way to cause damage or destroy a church is by sin or immorality in the leadership. I've seen it too many times. Friends, can I ask you to pray for John and myself and all of the ministry leaders here? We need it. We really need it. And knowing the potential for sin, Peter then presents three pairs of opposites in the the following verses. He's he's probably, uh, you know, got those good and bad shepherds, uh, kings of Israel in the back of his mind here. Uh, So verse two, not because you must, but... Because you're willing, as God wants you to be. There's a big difference between between being tired in ministry and just tired of ministry. If feelings of obligation or resentment or being kind of like trapped in ministry become the norm, it's time to step aside. In the face of success or of temptation or persecution, we need to ask God to fill our hearts with compassion and love for those he has given us to care for. And I've, I've found praying for people really helps, actually helps me to grow in love for you all. Um, whenever we struggle, we need to follow our chief shepherd's example, who in the face of the greatest struggle simply prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours. Be done. Uh, Next we read, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Uh, Can I say, developing a habit of generosity and hospitality really helps with this one. See, when a leader is generous and welcomes people, over time the congregation learns to do the same. And again, our chief shepherd is the ultimate example. He gave up the riches of heaven to enter our world so that through his poverty and self-sacrifice we could receive the riches of heaven extraordinary isn't it when you think about it and then thirdly verse 3 not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock leaders need to be what we want others to become just as children pick up the attitudes and behaviours of their parents, so too churches over time pick up the attitudes and behaviours of their leaders. And note that the sheep are entrusted, not owned. If the chief shepherd has placed people in your care in any way, as I said earlier, children, students, members of a connect ministry, a whole congregation or more, Remember, he'll also hold you accountable. I love those words. In Mark 10, the disciples are fighting over who's the greatest. And Jesus talks about leadership. And he says this, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And then he highlights himself. He's the chief shepherd speaking to under shepherds. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are to imitate the humble servant leadership of Christ. So leaders are to build their life and ministry on God's grace and they are to be shepherds of those entrusted to him, to them. Uh, and then Peter addresses everyone uh, with the importance of humility. Humility, what is it? It's hard to kind of get in a nutshell. It's not low self-esteem. It's not grovelling. It's not undervaluing your identity. or or abilities that God's given you anyway, true humility recognises our immense value as God's image bearers, saved by the blood of Christ. And and true humility seeks to use whatever gifts and power he has given us for the well-being of others. That leaves no room for arrogance or boasting or pride. Verse 5 says God opposes those sorts of people. We've already seen what humility looks like in leaders and in Jesus. But what about the sheep? What what about uh, those who are under leadership? Verse 5 again. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, elders aren't always older. Uh, Timothy was a young church leader. Uh, Likewise, younger in this verse Uh, refers not to physical age, but to spiritual age. Uh, It refers to the rest of the congregation. And humility here in this verse means submission. Now, submission does not mean blindly following what someone says. It means valuing their opinion or valuing their direct instruction. And if it is in accord with God's word, willingly obeying it. We only need to think back over this letter uh, to know what this might look like for all of us. Listening to God's word being explained and obeying his word. Loving one another deeply from the heart. Using our gifts to serve others with all God's grace. Being hospitable and so on. Lots of examples earlier in this letter. For us to, um, to prayerfully think, how can I express the humility that God wants to see in me as I serve others? And I love that phrase, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I love it. And when I looked it up, I loved it even more. Because that word clothe is a really rare word uh, and it's, it's used uh, a, a sort of a word for the, the apron that a slave wears to show that they're a slave so that it's obvious to everyone, right, that that person's a slave. Um, because clothes by themselves don't stand out in a room. That's why I try to wear stripes today. Just, to, you know, no, not true. <laughs> um, but the, the word here is, is that designation of a, of a slave. So it's kind of like Peter is saying, let humility... Be the signal, the obvious distinguishing feature that stands out in your life and clearly marks that you are a person who follows Jesus. These are the people, according to verse 6, that God delights in lifting up. We all need God's help with this, don't we? Before I finish, let me sum up. Leaders are to build their lives and ministry on the grace they've received from God and they're to be shepherds of God's people doing all in their power to, to guide and protect and provide for them. And all of God's people are to grow in humility as we imitate Jesus, our chief shepherd, who gave his life that we might truly live. Amen.